Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. There's another uh, murder trial, or at least a murder trial that's taking place, the Bosma trial. Dallin Millard and Mark Smitch face first-degree murder charges in the death of Hamilton husband and father Tim Bosma. Uh, Smitch and Millard are alleged to have murdered Mr. Bosma after he accompanied them on a test drive of a truck he was trying to sell. Alex Pearson is reporting on the Bosma trial for 900 CHML in Hamilton. She joins us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Alex, thank you very much for making time for us. And My pleasure. I, yeah, I just, I just in one sentence outlined, um, you know, what happened. Can you take, for the benefit of the people who don't know the fundamentals of the case, take us back to what happened at the beginning. How did, how is it alleged that Tim Bosma died and why? Well, on May 6th, uh, as many of you know, he went out for a test drive in his pickup truck that he was selling online on Kijiji and Auto Trader. And he had received a phone call from someone uh, that had a phone registered to a number, Lucas Bates. And he shined up the truck, he waxed it, and then he went out for this test drive with two gentlemen that showed up at his Ancaster home just after 9 p.m. on that Monday night. And he disappeared quickly after. And it's the theory of the Crown that he was, in fact, shot and killed inside that truck fairly quickly within the hour because, as testimony has already revealed, the cell phone, his cell phone, was turned off at 10.02 p.m. And this other cell phone, registered to Lucas Bate, uh, was turned off at around 9.26. Now, it's also the Crown's theory that that phone registered to a Lucas Bate, which is a number, uh, which is a name, Roy, that we are hearing a lot of, and no one really knew who this Lucas Bate was. Well, the Crown's theory is that Mr. Millard registered this throwaway phone, you know, the kind that you get the paper use with, right. and was calling people, uh, trying to set up appointments with a number of people selling the same kind of black Dodge. And we've heard already that there were three other men who were contacted by this phone number, um, and they tried to set up a test drive, Mark Smitch and Dylan Millard, and one man slept through the appointment and, and missed it. Uh, one missed the phone call, and another gentleman named Igor did, in fact, go in on a test drive with them. And uh, he's a member of the Israeli army, a big, big, big guy, and uh, it's pretty much assumed he's alive because of his size and the fact that he was not to be intimidated. So in a nutshell, that's essentially what happened. And now the Crown has been, you know, layer by layer by layer um, unveiling its case to back up its theory. And the case is circumstantial, physical. It has just about everything going forward at this point. Now, I was reading uh, yesterday and listening to some of your reports. Uh, the Crown and the police, uh, the cases, the Millard and Smith, as you said, shot. Tim Bosma in his truck, mm-hmm. incinerated his body mm-hmm. with Mr. Bosma's remains found on a farm owned by Millard, mm-hmm. and the truck in a trailer backed up to the garage at Millard's mother's house, mm-hmm. and cell phone pinging or mobile yeah. phone pinging seems to indicate that the uh, trailer was delivered there by Millard and his girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, speak to us about, about those developments, please, Alex. Yeah, so we went through a lot of cell phone testimony, which is generally pretty dry and pretty technical, but it's fascinating to watch in this case because as of May 6th, the night that Tim Bosma goes missing, you can see these cell phone pings, this map of movement of the accused, both of them, and this Lucas Bate phone, go from Etobicoke to Oakville to Ancaster, and then after... Uh, Mr. Bosma disappears. You see the cell phone move. You see both the cell phones, all three of them actually move 
Um, you see them go into Brantford, which is where they would end up finding Tim Bosma's phone. You see the accused moving towards the Waterloo hangar, where on the seventh, we're now into the early morning hours of the seventh, and it is alleged by the Crown that they had an incinerator that they had towed there, and the girlfriend Christine is said to have been with Mr. Millard at this. And although uh, we haven't heard from her, we expect that we will get her on the stand, but. The Crown has videotape of this incinerator at the hangar that they say you can see being ignited. And that is where it's believed Mr. Bosma's remains were, in fact, burned. And um, that incinerator, as we now know, was moved on to an air, um, air spelled A-Y-R for people that aren't familiar with it, but this little farming community that belongs to Mr. Millard. That's where they recovered that. But he moved that trailer. There was a trailer at his hangar. Um, that transported the pickup truck a few days later, it would transport that truck to his mother's Kleinberg address, and there it sat. And it, again, the cell phone movements show all this, and so police eventually, thanks to some tips from the, the public and the, the cell phone data, were able to track that pickup truck uh, to the mother's address and bring it back to forensics. And that's where we're at at, at this point in the testimonies, listening to forensics officers really comb through what they found in that truck, which will prove the Crown's theory that Mr. Bosma was, in fact, killed uh, by shot, uh, gunshot in that truck. You know, it's, it's ghoulish. It's it really ghoulish to hear this. But, you know, we, have, we, we must say alleged. Yeah. But, but here you have two individuals who are alleged to have had this plot, this plan, to commit a murder, uh, three individuals, to their great fortune, uh, did not wind up dead, as Mr. Bosma did. But it is absolutely ghoulish to hear the cold-heartedness and the determined nature of the allegations of, uh, of uh, Smitch and, and Millard. And you mentioned a hangar. Millard was well off. He owned an aviation firm, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, his father owned a, a, a aviation company. The Marlard family were well known in that particular business. They were kind of the uh, wealthy aviation family. You know, uh, Mr. Millard Dellen was known as a very young age to be a flyer, and there's you know newspaper clippings of him being 14 and yeah. up in the air. So you know, oddly enough, I remember that money. Yeah, lots of money they had, and so you know, lots of people are questioning the motive of why this would have happened, and we still haven't quite gotten. To that yet, um, and I can't get into that obviously with a, a jury trial under play. But I think I think why why people are so um, interested in this particular case, which to me of all the cases that we're covering, including Gomeshi, is the bigger of the cases. It's because everyone now will stop and think when they you know register something online to sell. You know, yes. I said to my husband, "Would you ever now sell anything online?" And he said, "Not after this case yeah. because." I'm, I'm so naive. I think these kinds of things don't happen in Canada. But now that I'm hearing all these pieces of information, he's like, I would never, ever. And I think that's why the case matters so much is because Tim Bosma represents everything good in humans. You know, he's a guy, he married a little girl, wanted to provide for his family, and he just literally wanted to be the responsible person and sell the truck that was causing, uh, you know, mechanical um, problems for them and therefore financial issues. And so he sold it. He just wanted to downsize. And so here's this nice farming kid that's grown up and he's, uh, you know, in the church community. Everyone knows everybody. And 
he gets lured away, targeted and lured away by two men now accused of his murder. And so I think at the end of this, people have always looked for a reason. I mean, he had to have done something to, to pick a fight with these guys. Maybe there were drugs involved. Everyone's looked for a reason as to why Tim Bosma got himself into trouble. Well, the problem with Tim Bosma is that he owned a black Dodge pickup that just happened to be the truck that these guys were looking up online. And so I think for most people, it will change the way they do business when it comes to online. You know, I was thinking about exactly mm -hmm. that. I bought a, um, a wood chipper. Yeah. I remember the incident so clearly now. If you'd asked me without the Bosma trial yeah. to remember the incident, I, I probably would remember some minor details. Mm -hmm. But I remember in detail going across to the state of Vermont. I found it on uh, on one of the uh, online sites in, in Vermont. I needed a wood chipper. Mm -hmm. It was in the middle of nowhere in the backwoods, and I really had to travel into the middle of nowhere into this desolate little farm. Yeah. And I think now, as I look back, if if I had had the experience, if, if if I were buying the wood chipper today, I wouldn't be going there. No, you wouldn't. And you I wouldn't be going go alone. And I think now when I mean, on the first day of testimony, the Crown's first witness was Charlene Bosma because she places the two accused at her house. She saw them drive away with her husband. And Tim had been feeling anxious that day because he hadn't heard from them. He had shined this car up. He had waxed it. He'd gotten it all ready. And he just wanted to, to get going. And it was getting later and later in the day. And about 7 o'clock, just before he put his little girl in her pajamas and would get her ready for bed, he said to Charlene, uh, you know, should I go with these guys? And she looked at him and said probably what every wife would say was, yeah. She said, of course you're going to go with him. You want the truck back. And now, I mean, you could just see the, the guilt on her that she... She told him to go because, duh, you want the truck back, not even thinking this could cost him his life. No one would think that this could cost you your life. Probably now someone would say, uh, you can go for a test drive, but, sir, you're staying here uh, with us. You know, like, y you never send someone out with two other men that you don't know. So, I mean, this is, it could have literally been anyone, but on that night it was Tim Bosma. Yeah. Can you hold on, uh, Alex? I want to ask you some more questions. Alex Pearson is with us. She's reporting on the Bosma case for 900 CHML in Hamilton. We'll come right back. Alex Pearson with me. She's reporting on the Tim Bosma case for 900 CHML in Hamilton. Alex, you know, talking about the the peripheral activities that led to the to the murder of of Tim Bosma, allegedly mm -hmm. by Smith and Millard. Uh, you wonder, did these guys ever think that they would get away with this? Well, it's tough for me to speak to that. Um, oh, no, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those thoughts that pops into your head, you know. You... It does, and, and as you hear the amount of evidence the Crown has, I mean, the Crown not only has witnesses, but they have found fingerprints, right. they have found a bullet, they have found a lot of forensic um, detail that backs up the allegations, and one starts to think, mm, well, you didn't plan this very well. No, he didn't plan it. Just... I'm looking at some of the uh, some of the coverage of the the case of forensic evidence, fingerprint found on the driver's door of Tim Bosma's truck. Fingerprint matched that of Della Millard. Another one on the rearview mirror. Blood yeah. been found on the muffler of the truck. 64 mm -hmm. swabs of blood on the truck and the trailer, with police mm -hmm. testifying they saw blood on the truck when they opened the trailer doors. Mm -hmm. DNA collection, and now the jury has to absorb this, and it starts to sound like CSI. Oh yeah, we're into the full. We're now into the section of the of the trial that I think gets very difficult for people because as fascinating as CSI and all these shows 
we watch. This is real life for the Bosma family. So right now we are into the real physical part of this where we're pulling out evidence that is right in your face. There's blood. We're talking about gun residue. We're talking about bones. And we're going to get to what they found in the incinerator. But it's two weeks of physical evidence that the Crown says will directly link the accused. So you talk about the thumbprint found by uh, forensics on the rearview mirror found dangling in Mr. Mal- uh, Mr. Bosma's truck, that matching Mr. Malone. You've got the left in the left ring finger print found on the side of the truck, again, directly linked to Mr. Millard. And now we're in, and where we left off on Thursday is that they found the shell casing of a bullet on the floor of the truck that had been really essentially stripped of all of its uh, inside. They took the carpeting out, they took the seats out, the front seats, and they had those charred. And yet we've got blood on the side of the truck, uh, which will inevitably, I think, reveal what direction Mr. Bosma was shot from because because we don't have a body, and I don't like to be so sinister or macabre, but because we don't have a body, police don't know. They know how he was killed. They know that there was a gun involved, but they don't know was he shot in the head, which direction, which would speak to, you know, was it Mr. Millard who was said to be in the front seat or was Mr. Smith who was said to be in the back seat? Um, and so that information may come out because you can tell a lot from a crime based on blood splatter and which direction it was going. And so we're now into that phase where forensics will start speaking to that. We're going to get into the pathology um, of what they found in that incinerator and, and which bones specifically they found. There wasn't a lot left. But there was enough to tell police that we were dealing with a human because don't forget this thing called the eliminator was meant for farm animals. So they had to dig through that and find all of the remains that they did. Um, But you're right. It's this kind of fascinating thing that people come in and go, wow, this is cool. This is so interesting. Mm -hmm. But keep in mind, the Bosnians are watching their child die every single day every single witness that comes into that courtroom brings tim to life for a moment and then they see him die again so every picture we see of that pickup that pickup that tim took such good care of now completely demolished and taken apart um that's that's pretty personal uh to the family watching this and, and just simply praying for justice in the case of their child alex are you able to read the jury how are they reacting uh, I never have been able to read a jury, and I, I just I stopped doing that a long time ago because what can seem so obvious to you, to me, to anybody else can seem completely different to the 12 people who will be deciding this. I have gone into deliberations thinking this is just a slam dunk, only to have one juror have a completely different uh, thought. So I, I have long ago stopped reading the jury. I mean, what I can tell you is that these are very normal people. These are moms, dads brothers, sisters, teachers, doctors, you name it. These are just people that lived ordinary lives until February 1st when they took their seats and started um, navigating a case which will be quite historical in Canadian history when it's finished. But also the depth of of what they're hearing is so heinous. Um, and, And when you're not used to hearing that kind of thing, it can be quite, quite overpowering. Day after day after day. Day after day. And this will stay with them for the rest of their lives. And, and they, have very, they are very aware that the family's watching and that the family is looking to them to find justice. So other than that, I wouldn't be able to even gauge where they're at. But um, the, the evidence this Crown is putting forward, and they've done a sensational job so far, uh, is quite overwhelming. I mean, we get seven, maybe eight witnesses a day, and every single one gives 
amazing detail and huge important facts to back up their case. I mean, I've done a lot of court reporting in my time. And for me to be able to just churn out 10, 12 reports a day uh, with new information, every single report is quite unique because that that's how much information we're getting a day. They're moving very quickly, but every witness is very powerful. What are you hearing from the defense? What kind of case are they making? What are they focusing on? Oh, well, right now, obviously, a lot of cross-examination. I think when we start getting into, we're expecting to hear, and it will be probably the most riveting testimony, other than if, in fact, the accused um, get on the stand. But the two girlfriends of both Mark, Mark Smith and of Mr. Millard will be getting on the stand, and they will be testifying because it's alleged by the Crown that uh, Mr. Millard's girlfriend, Christina, was in fact there when the incinerator was pulled into the hangar and, and in other areas of this um, alleged crime. And so her testimony will be fascinating. And you know that the defense will spend a lot of time taking apart their story. So I expect that they'll be uh, up on the stand for quite some time. And we haven't gotten to them. We won't get to them probably for another couple of weeks. Mr. Millard's mother will probably be on the stand, safe to say. So they'll spend a lot of time pulling her story apart. But right now the defense, they, they are not doing a lot of cross-examination. Um, you know, it's tough for them. They'll spend probably most of the time cross-examining and poking holes in the story of those who say they were with the accused. Yeah. Final question for you. How long is this trial expected to go on for? Scheduled for four months, uh, which I think it'll probably stay close to that schedule. We're sitting four days a week, which is unique. Um, but there's a reason. The judge was very particular about that because of the heavy nature of what we're hearing and just how busy the schedule is that we're hearing. So he didn't want to put a lot of pressure on this and this jury. And I've got to say, while I thought it was odd at the beginning, even I find myself completely exhausted by Thursday. And I'm very glad that we're not sitting the Friday because you almost need that time to step away and absorb what you've heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we'll stay true to four months. They are moving very quickly. And one thing I can say about this Hamilton court, they are amazing uh, with their time usage, not wasting any time. They get through a lot of arguments and and things that they they keep this case running very, very efficiently. So I would say four months, maybe a little less. Alex, thank you for just a remarkable report on this Bosma case. Thank you. Really appreciate it. My absolute pleasure. All the best to you. Cheers. Alex Pearson, uh, reporting for 900 CHML on the Bosma case. So four months and what's been revealed so far is absolutely ghoulish. And I can't imagine the the terrible circumstance for the Bosma family to be going through day after day after day in that courtroom and much more to come.